listeners, welcome to Psychiatria, the show where we explore true healing and everything that might mean. I'm Danny, your host, guide, and fellow human on this journey. And I'm super excited to be sharing our first full episode today. I talk with Dr. Ruta Nene, one of our psychiatrists at Free Range Psychiatry, and we talk about her personal experiences as an empath growing up, a child of immigrants, and what it's like to have a holistic mindset integrated into life at an early age. It was really fun to piece together these different aspects of Ruta's life and see how they have shaped her path along the way. This conversation was an absolute joy, and I hope you leave with the same smile that I did. So without further ado, let's get started. All right. Well, welcome to the podcast, Ruta. I'm super Thank excited so to have you here. I'm excited to be here. This is great. Yeah. So uh, why don't you go ahead and do um, a little introduction of yourself for the listeners? Just kind of a short, like, who is who is Dr. Rutanene? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm from uh, outside of Boston, Massachusetts. That's where I grew up. And uh, my parents were immigrants from India. My grandmother, who I called Aji, she also lived with us and she helped raise me and my brother. Um, and her presence is also how I learned how to speak my family's native language, which is Marathi, mm-hmm. which is a derivative of Sanskrit. Growing up, you know, I always felt really different from everybody around me because because I'm Indian, Um, you know, from my parents' accents to having a family member in the home who didn't speak English to my unusual name, these things, they all made me stand out. And there's nothing more I wanted than to not stand out. Mm -hmm. I remember, you know, every day on the first day of school, I would wait with dreaded anticipation for the teacher to get to my name on roll call. And I knew that there'd be this exchange of, so uh, how do you pronounce it? And then that would lead to, oh, so, you know, where's your family from? And to have the whole classroom Mm -hmm. watching me have this conversation was really mortifying for the the shy little person that I was. Because, yeah, my last name being Denizen and having a million consonants in it. Um, I ended up coming with this little rhyme that I would yeah. just spit off to all the teachers the first day of school. It was like, they'd be like, Danny, and I'd be like, it's me, and it rhymes with Verizon. Uh, <laughs> I love that. So, yeah, I understand. That's so funny. Yeah, uh-huh. so you can And relate. then it's the whole, yeah, like, oh, what kind definitely. of name is that? It's whenever, and people usually guess that it's Polish, which is right. But yes, I, I would have guessed the pretty same, obvious. right? So, anyway, back to you. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's that's cool. So, yeah, you know, I think looking back, I I'm I believe that I was a bit of an empath, um, even as a child, and that can be hard when you're a kid. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I would be deeply hurt by these seemingly innocuous missteps by my friends, or you know, I would I would feel other people's hurt or their pain so strongly, and it was really hard for me to understand that, and I didn't know what to do with it. Um, it was, I was just thinking about this example the other day, um, my family and I, we were at a park, I think we were on a trip somewhere and we were on some sort of a hike and we had taken a break and we were sitting on a park bench and I look 
across the way and there was another little girl sitting on the bench over there and she was just kind of staring at me and um so I was kind of looking at her and then eventually she just looked at me and she ended up sticking her tongue out at me (laughs) and it was I mean I was mortified and it really really made me so upset I think it ruined my day I was just so sad that somebody would do that to, to me and it's funny because you know yeah when I think about it now it's I can laugh about it because I I do find it amusing but at that time it was a very painful experience mm-hmm. and but you know like I was saying it it was pretty innocent you know I didn't even know this person but yeah things like that would really impact me and I didn't know what to do with that. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's so interesting. I want you to talk a little bit more about what that experience was like to be a kid and so empathic like that. Like what were the the things that you would feel or how did you understand it at that point in time? Yeah. I, you know, I think one thing is that I never talked about it with anybody, you know, even my parents, I just, again, I don't think I really understood it. So I would feel emotions pretty intensely. And I think, you know, sometimes it would just result in a good crying spell or, you know, and just kind of releasing it that way. But sometimes it was not in that form. And I, I just... I would, I would journal. I did start journaling when I was about 10. And I I think that was definitely helpful to just kind of put it out on paper. Um, But yeah, I think for many years, it was very uncomfortable. That's what Mm. I would say. Um, Again, I just, I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't know who to talk to about it. Um, It was only when I got older that I think I started to appreciate that ability to empathize with others and um, use it to its advantage when I could, mm-hmm. you know, as far as being helpful. But yeah, as a kid, it was, it was very challenging. And I, now I, looking back, I wish I'd just said something about it to anybody, whether it was my mom or my dad or mm-hmm. somebody who I just talked to, I just didn't talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Which makes sense, right? Like as often kids, yeah. kids don't talk about things that they don't understand. And it, right. I think we all have things like that where we're like, oh gosh, if I like, if only I would have understood at that point in time. But that's right. I think so often kids don't even have the words for things like that. Like, absolutely. Even if there's a part of you that wants to talk about it, you don't even. You're just like, she stuck her tongue out at me, and I was sad, and that doesn't make sense. But yeah, it's really interesting. Um, It is interesting. Yeah, I think it's. fairly clear how that that likely played into your decision to go into psychiatry later on in life totally totally um yeah talk a bit about that about that kind of like point in your life and the things that were going on and how how the universe funneled you into this path Mm -hmm. that's a good way of putting it (laughs) yeah so I um so I actually from high school I applied to a combined BAMD program. So mm. when I started college, I already knew I was going to medical school. And, you know, to be honest, it's not that I necessarily knew that I wanted to be a doctor. I just figured I had to make some decision about what I was going to do with my life and just make a plan and stick with it. Mm-hmm. And um, this was really, you know, I brought that upon myself. It's not that anybody else told me I needed to go become a doctor. Um, 
although that was pretty respected in my culture. So it just seemed like the right path to take. But, you know, so generally speaking, I've always been very curious and sort of baffled by the human mind. And being of, you know, of that empathic nature, I would say I've always, I've been a lifelong observer of people Mm -hmm. and their emotions and their behaviors. And, you know, seeing how a single stimulus can affect multiple people in vastly different ways, Mm -hmm. depending on each person's individual story. I just found that so fascinating. And so I studied psychology as an undergrad, um, mainly because that's what I was interested in. But I also felt that it would be useful um, once I was in medical school. And no matter what kind of doctor I became, I just, I knew that that would be very helpful in any field, you know, um, as long as you're working with another human being, there's psychology involved, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, but then once I was in medical school, I, I thought that I would become a pediatrician. I think that was what I had, that was what my intention was when I started. Um, In your third year medical school, that's when you do what are called clinical rotations. So each month, you know, you rotate through internal medicine and neurology and pediatrics and surgery, et cetera, et cetera. And um, pediatrics for me just just didn't do it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I didn't feel that connection I thought I would. But psychiatry did, and I didn't find that very surprising, um, given my background already. Um, so yeah, psychiatry really resonated with me, especially the outpatient side of it. You know, we we did both inpatient and outpatient as as med students, but it was the outpatient that I felt drawn toward, mm-hmm. and that's ultimately what landed me um, in in that field. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. <laughs> Your story is just kind of like, oh yeah, uh huh, definitely. Right, I wasn't right. there, oh. but I, I totally believe you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Psychiatry just felt right. Exactly. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's lovely. I think that's so beautiful when, especially big decisions in life like that are, are so clear mm-hmm. to us when you're just like, yeah, uh-huh, this is the thing. Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, though, you know, I will say I, I did start to question that when I was in residency, so mm-hmm. After med school and going through the training, it was, it was, it was definitely tough, and there were definitely moments where I was questioning my decision. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think it was all it all happened for whatever reason. Yeah, definitely, as all things in life do. Right. So right. now you are a holistic psychiatrist with free range. Um, so there's just kind of whole other side, um, whole no pun intended. Right. <laughs> this idea of your life that um, I guess has probably shaped this next transition for you that's relatively recent. I think you you joined Free Range um, at the beginning of, of this year. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Like January 2021. Right. Yeah. That sounds right. about right. So, yeah, I I know that you have had experience and interests in a number of different holistic type of practices and diets and eating and you wrote mm-hmm. a beautiful blog for us about skincare and uh, yeah I would love to hear how those things have fit into your life and you know you can even talk about it in chronological order as you if you yeah. want sure let's see mm-hmm. <laughs> where did I begin um 
Well, yeah, I'll talk about my, I guess, work first. Um, you know, I've been, I've been practicing psychiatry now for, gosh, 15 years. Mm-hmm. I think I'm dating myself, but <laughs> anyhow. Um, yeah, you know, I, I've always seen how interconnected it is with every other specialty in medicine. And at some point, you know, I really began to question the way we compartmentalize the organ systems in the body mm-hmm. and why the way we treat anything is, is not more integrative. In the conventional psychiatry world, in which I still do practice, I've had many moments where I felt the reality of having to function within a specific box that was prescribed to me. And even if there are multiple layers that needed to be examined for a patient, I wasn't given the permission mm. to do that examining uh, just because of the way our our system is built. Yeah, there's a lot of limitations there. A lot of limitations, and it, it can be frustrating. Mm-hmm. Um, I only recently learned that there's such a thing as integrative psychiatry and holistic psychiatry. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I just find them to be a more comprehensive approach to helping people feel better. Mm-hmm. Also, coming from an Indian background, I've always been aware of those disciplines that originated in India, like Ayurveda and yoga. Um, my father would tell me about how his father, uh, when my father was growing up, his father would be doing yoga every morning and Mm. my father would come downstairs to find his father doing headstands every morning. And I never knew that about my grandfather. Um, and I just thought that was really cool. Yeah, That's super cool. Um, Yeah, I know. I I still don't know how to do it. I can't do a headstand. Can you? Um, not without support of the wall. Yes, yeah. right. I can do it with the wall, mm-hmm. but even yeah. So yeah, I don't. I yeah. don't practice inversions as much as I, I want to. I I yeah. don't either. I want to get one of those little um, like board things that you just put your head in, and uh, it looks like a little oh. step stool, but it has a hole okay. for your head that you put your head oh, in, really? and like padding that your shoulders rest on, and you can put it up against a wall to practice. But it I've never seen um, that helps a lot with just like orienting your body when you're upside down. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. That's so neat. Yeah. It's yeah. Super... I've heard of that. We'll find, we'll find it and put a link in the show notes. But, uh... <laughs> cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, so, oh, right. So I was talking about yoga. And so when I was 11, actually, I asked my dad to teach me some yoga. And so he taught me how to do Surya Namaskar, which is a popular yoga flow sequence. Mm-hmm. Um, and then every morning before school, I would wake up an hour early. Real quick. And, um, Surya Namaskar, yeah. would that be, I'm just thinking of like the Sanskrit that they use interchangeably in my yoga studio. Um, would that be like, like a sun A or a, like a sun, sun salutation? Sun kind salutation. Of thing? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Cool. That's right. Sorry, I should have said no, that. No, you're good. Um, so you would wake up in the morning before school, and yeah, and so my Aji would be up um, really early, and so she would monitor, sort of monitor me, and I would do Surya Namaskar, and she would kind of count and make sure I was doing it correctly, and mm-hmm. it became like a morning ritual for us. Um, How old were you at this time? I was 11. Okay. Yeah. 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 So I don't remember how long that lasted. I know it didn't last indefinitely because I did stop at some point. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, so, you know, so I certainly have those kind of roots. So you would say, yeah, that's what we're about here. And (laughs) yeah, exactly. And, you know, 
I have such respect for these these ancient practices and these wisdoms, and I, I feel like their healing powers go largely unrecognized by by a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But if we could tap into that wisdom some more, then we'd find so many powerful benefits. Um, yeah. Yeah. What kinds of um, benefits, like from those practices, have you experienced in your life? Well, let's see. So <laughs> maybe let's start with yoga specifically, <laughs> since that's where yeah. we've been talking about. Yeah. So, as I mentioned, I you know I dabbled in it when I was pretty young, and then it sort of trailed off. But then I picked it back up off and on in my twenties, and then in my thirties, I just I became more regular about it. And, um, like many of the practices that I, I enjoy, you know, whether it's yoga, whether it's meditation, um, I think initially they became things that I needed to check off on my list of things to do. Mm. It was definitely a checklist item. Mm -hmm. Um, and over time that, that checklist aspect of it has dissolved, which is nice. It's not something I need to do. And if I don't do it, then I have failed that day. You know, it's, um, I just find that doing it regularly just comes naturally and it's very grounding for me, helps keep me centered, mm-hmm. um, really calms me down if I'm, if I'm having a rough day or moment. So yeah, yeah I just think it's really, it's so valuable. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. What kind of yoga do you practice primarily? I practice, primarily do vinyasa yep. okay what about you yeah same vinyasa yeah. I, that's the uh, I mean I think easily the most predominant practice in the states for sure I think so yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I like a good I like a good slow flow every now and then but that's still vinyasa yeah. just slower <laughs> right exactly exactly yeah yeah awesome okay so aside from yoga what other mm-hmm. things have you learned about and experimented with your life you mentioned Ayurveda is you know a big part of your your heritage in that way and that's something yeah yeah that I would love to talk more about Um, something that I've always been curious and I know a little bit about it but not not a lot yeah you know interestingly I don't I actually don't know that much about it either it's it was always peppered into my childhood, mainly from my grandmother, my Aji. Um, you know, if we weren't feeling well, she always concocted these remedies for us. And I never bothered to pay attention to what it was. I would just, you know, take take down whatever she gave me. Mm-hmm. Um, they always like drinks of some kind, teas? Usually some sort of tonic or concoct. Yeah, something to drink. Yeah. Um, I remember every morning she would have us drink this combination of lemon and honey and I don't know what else was in there um but it was supposed to be this cleansing tonic for the day you know that's how you start your day and um my brother my younger brother nicknamed it so good so it just became (laughs) called so good so every morning we'd be asked did you drink your so good yes (laughs) was it was it so good it was it was very lemony yeah nice (laughs) yeah um again I've I've read here and there I've listened to podcasts on Ayurveda, but I can't say that I, you know, I, I have, I know I have this vast knowledge on it, but interestingly, um, another thing you were mentioning, my, my, um, blog post on skincare, skincare is something I've also been always really interested in more so because, um, 
you know, I dealt with acne as a teenager Mm -hmm. and then it it persisted into adulthood. And um, so I was always trying the next best thing. Like this is going to, you know, clear my skin and this and that, whatever. Um, But then I actually ended up reading this book called Absolute Beauty. And it's written by this Ayurvedic practitioner in New York City. Mm. Um, Gosh, what is her name? Pratima. And I'm forgetting her last Mm -hmm. name. Um, so it's all about Ayurveda, but kind of focused on skincare. Mm-hmm. Um, and so from that book, I actually started, she has these recipes for skincare products based on your dosha. And so for years, I was just making my own products that she had recommended. And I just, it was, it was just such a cool experience. And dosha for people who aren't familiar with Ayurveda, that's it. Yeah. Which is still us basically. Um, I actually wrote a little blog post I think yes, sometime I think last I... year on Ayurveda. So we'll oh. link that in the notes as well. But, um, oh, yeah. your dosha is kind of your, your energy constitution. So it has to do with your balance between the different elements and whether you tend to be more earthy and grounded or like fiery, or I think there's one that's like oily almost, um, Ayurveda right. talks about that and right, yeah, right. so just your con- constitution is one of the big words exactly. in Ayurveda. Um, and doshas, doshas are the, the way that you describe that. Right. And you can, you can be a mix of doshas mm-hmm. too, but you might have a predominant one. Yep. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's really cool that she would, yeah, that the, the book describes different skincare things for the different yeah. doshas. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It was really neat. Mm-hmm. It's very cool. Um, so yeah, so I kind of went off there, but let's see, we were talking about yoga and then skincare. Um, so something else that I, you know, I never considered this to be a mindful practice, but, uh, and I, I've talked to you about this before, but one of my biggest passions in life is dancing. Mm -hmm. And, um, so growing up, I did, you know, uh, lots of different types. I did Western ballet and tap and jazz. And then I also did Indian classical dance, a um, couple different types of classical dance, but I also did some folk dance and what we call Bollywood um, dance styles. And so that was always a big part of my life. Um, fast forward to now being an adult and not really performing in recitals or things like that anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I've still, I have rediscovered a way to incorporate it in my life by doing dance fitness. Mm. So I think I discovered Zumba back in, gosh, 2009 or something like that. And I did that for many years and I ended up becoming an instructor for a few years. Um, I don't do Zumba specifically anymore, but I I do different types of dance fitness. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's, it's, it's about, you know, it's cardiovascular exercise, but for me, it's pure joy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just have so much fun um, when I do it. And so it puts me in such a, I feel like it's like a meditative state because I'm so present when I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's all I'm thinking about or focusing on. And it's, it's so cool because I have that, which really kind of gives me, you know, energizes me and fills me with this momentum and this joy. Um, meanwhile, I have, I do yoga or I'll, I do meditation and those are, I find more grounding for me and just help keeping me calm and, um, connected, mm-hmm. you know, so they each kind of play their own role, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think that I've learned this in my own life that there is, 
it's so important to have a balance in the activities that you do. You know, the things that are are that higher energy that like, you know, I mean, to talk about it from just like a pure fitness point of view, the things that are strength mm-hmm. and stretching and conditioning and the things that are cardio and like active right. and, and whatnot. But I, I think on a spiritual level, it's so key to have that balance, you know. Um, exactly. Because I, I agree. think you can boil many types of, you know, quote unquote, disease down to an, mm-hmm. an imbalance of some kind, you know, according to what your body's definition of balance is. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's well said. Yeah. I, yeah. I think that's an important caveat to have in there. Um, you know, because if we're talking about lab results or things like that, you can look based on the the quote unquote norm or whatever is too high okay. and too low, and it's it's really different for everybody. Um, so knowing right. knowing where your right. body center is is really key. Is really key. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it sounds like you started dancing when you were pretty young. Um, do you remember how you? got into that? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I just remember asking my mom if she could sign me up for ballet classes because I thought I wanted to become a ballerina. Mm. So I think that was just there. I think I was just somehow told from outside forces that this is something I want to do or I want to try. But it didn't ultimately end up being ballet as being my passion, but it was sort of a gateway Mm -hmm. because that's how I started. But then I, you know, from there, I, from one studio, I then, you know, took other types of of dance. Um, And then my mom was the one who actually kept encouraging me to try to do Indian dance Mm. um, because we had a local teacher and a few of my friends were were taking her classes and I did resist for a while. And then um, maybe a few years into taking my ballet and my tap and my jazz classes, I agreed to to start Indian dance. And I mean, I, I really fell in love with that. That was, yeah, that was magical. Mm, that's cool. Yeah. What yeah. was so special about that? Um, you know, I think again, when you being, um, being a child of immigrants, you, you really, at least for me, I just felt very lost at times as far as my identity. Mm-hmm. You know, when I would, I didn't, I never really felt like I belonged anywhere. So growing up here, I just felt like this different person. Mm-hmm. But then when my family and I would go to India to visit my family there, I didn't feel like I belonged there at all. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't speak the language as well or as fluently. Um, the way I dressed was, uh, was different. I obviously stuck out because I I didn't fit the part. Um, so, but when I did dance, it really, for me, I think helped serve as a bridge between my two identities mm. and somewhere where I felt at home mm-hmm. because, yeah. Yeah. I don't think I really even thought about that until now. Hmm. Yeah. Mm, that's cool. Yeah. For, for yeah. the listeners, I'm, I'm watching Gruta's face right now. Just kind of, hmm. Wow. That's so interesting. <laughs> I know. I never realized that about myself. The sort of connections that you make. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Just talking out loud. and That's wonderful. I mean, what a gift that the, 
the dancing gave yeah. you for sure to be able exactly. to connect with that culture in a way that you know sure you were encouraged by your mom but that you ultimately chose for yourself yeah. right yeah. yeah yeah that's so neat hmm. <laughs> so I think it's really interesting how the practices that we pick up through our life and the things that we choose end up working usually in different ways than we anticipate absolutely yeah and that was a question I was going to ask you but I think we've just illustrated that pretty well yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah didn't even realize it I think so yeah and even with I mean yoga you know that's kind of a classic one that will grow with people over time um and you were introduced to it earlier than a lot of people I think which is cool Mm -hmm. Um, yeah yeah so to have been doing that with your grandma from from like a young age that's so special it's really it is it really is yeah and again I don't I don't know that I realized it at that time Mm -hmm. but I think I I think I did um because I was the one who wanted to do it and I wanted to do it with her so um but I didn't really step back outside of it and and look at it like that Mm -hmm. but as a memory yeah it's it's just so special yeah so We'll sort of flip this question around and are there any practices that you now consider or see as mindful practices that you started with the intention of being a mindful practice? Um, Because it sounds like many of them for you have sort of been, they've evolved into that or you've later learned, oh yeah, this is, this is something that I get from, from what I do here. So, yeah, were there any that you started with the direct intention of being mindful? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I guess the, um, yeah, yoga, again, as an older person, that that was the intention with yoga and and with the meditation. Um, I touched on the skincare briefly, and that that was not something I was intending to be a mindful practice. But um, again, if you if you see the blog, you'll blog post, you'll see what I mean when I talk about how it became a mindful practice for me. Mm -hmm. Um, Another, I guess it's a practice, um, is just taking walks and I have found them, I now call them my meditative walks. Um, I've, I've never been a big outdoor person. I mean, I enjoy being outdoors, but I don't, I never felt like I craved it. but then once COVID began and we were all housebound for what felt like forever, mm-hmm. um, I started making it a point to to make sure I, I went outside and I took a walk and that included the dead of winter. So, you know, in 30 degree weather, and that's something I never would have done before. Um, but I found that to be so amazing, just being outside every day and connecting with the air and the earth and um, and just how therapeutic that can be. I, I kind of knew that, but I never really practiced it. And then now that I do it, I, I have to, I have to go outside mm-hmm. every day and do that. So mm-hmm. even at the end of a work day, you know, cause I, since I'm working on the computer pretty much, mm-hmm. I have to go outside and take a walk before, before I do anything else. It's just a, my, a good way for me to reset and, um, and I, I, so again, I prefer to do it. I prefer to take the walks by myself because I find it to be meditative and mindful. So I guess that's 
your question was which ones did I have the intention of being mindful mm -hmm. with, but <laughs> I just gave you some more <laughs> that weren't, yeah. that had a different intention <laughs> to start with. Yeah. No, that's fantastic. So when you walk, are you just like walking around your neighborhood or? Yeah. So on a daily basis, I'll just walk around my neighborhood. We have a, a little, I think it's a man-made pond or lake um, in the back. So it, there's like a nice walking path around that. Um, on the weekends, again, before, before we could do much else, um, my family and I, we would explore different paths and trails in the, in the area that we never had really tried before. And that was really cool to do, mm. especially together. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, here in Virginia, there's so many, I'm sure everywhere, there's just so many beautiful trails and things that, um, we've got to enjoy this year. Yeah. Thanks to COVID. Yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. Really, the one that we haven't talked to at all about is just straight up meditation. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tell me about <laughs> no, that. No, we haven't. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. So with meditation, um, again, it's something I had heard about a lot from family and about, you know, again, going back to yoga. I mean, yoga and meditation, I feel, are so interlinked, but it's not something I necessarily really tried or gave a good try um, until I became a mother. Mm. <laughs> and, and you have um, two, two boys? I have two boys yeah. and they're pretty close in age. They're 21 months apart. Mm -hmm. And so in their early days, um, it, was, it was pretty overwhelming to say the least. Um, they're just boys. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> very physical, very physical, just naturally and um, with one another too. And, you know, what I thought looked very unpleasant and horrifying to them was pure fun and joy, just wrestling with each other constantly. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so I was very, un I just did not really know how to handle them. And I would get stressed pretty easily. Um, I'd get frustrated. And so that's when I started tapping into meditation because I, I realized I need, I need to find a way to stay calm, to stay grounded, even when World War III might be happening around me. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so that's kind of how I started. And uh, I think I started actually with a 30-day challenge by Deepak Chopra. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, again, I think I mentioned this earlier, but at the time it started off as a checklist item. Like, okay, if I start to meditate, you know, I'm really going to start to feel better. And so let me make sure I get this done mm -hmm. every day. And so in the beginning, it really felt like a chore. So I don't think I was reviewing any benefits from it. It was just, oh yeah, got to do that. Mm -hmm. um, once I started to let go of that idea of a checklist and just kind of leaned into it, that's when I started really feeling it, you know, um, and that's why I've been able to continue doing it because it's not a chore. It's, it's a practice. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I think this whole idea of having these practices, these mindful practices mm -hmm. be a to-do list item at first is like, I think that's okay. I think that's how a lot yeah. of people have to start. And then, yeah. um, I know for me, that's how it is often bad. And it's like, okay, I just have to get up and I have to do this thing. And like, I know I'm going to feel yeah. better afterwards, but my body has not figured out that that's going to be the case yet. 
And then eventually, after a week or two of doing it consistently, your body's like, oh, yeah, like I want to get up early in the morning and do yoga. I want to sit still and just observe my thoughts for 5, 10, 15, you know, however many minutes um, or whatever your meditation practice is, because there's there's a wide variety of them out there. So, yeah, yeah, I want I want to like call that out as well that. I think that's so true. Mm -hmm. That's so true. You're right. Because had I not started them as I'm using air quotes to do lists, Mm -hmm. then would I have ever really started them? Yeah. 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 Probably not. (laughs) That's a good point. That's a good point. So all you listeners out there, if you are just doing it to do it, it's still doing (laughs) you some good. Absolutely. (laughs) It's still helpful. Absolutely. That's yeah, that's very true. Let's see. I have two more questions. Um, one, what, what does your meditation usually look like? Yeah, for me, it's, um, I don't think I've ever meditated longer than 30 minutes and 30 minutes is a rarity. Mm-hmm. So for me, typically um, it's 10 to 20 minutes, depending on the day. Okay. Um, I try to do it in the morning, but that doesn't always happen. So then I, I'll do it in the evening. Um, sometimes I use an app like Headspace. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I, um, I will do some chanting. Hmm. Uh, sometimes I will focus on a mantra and repeat that. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So every day just kind of differs depending on what I'm in the mood for or how much time I have or, or how I'm feeling. Um, if I'm feeling pretty frazzled or, uh, restless, then I might do more kind of chanting mm-hmm. because I find that really helps calm Definitely. me. Um, and that yeah. just for the nervous and system, anything that is simple right. and repetitive is, is very soothing for the nervous system. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So it's um, just depends on the day, but yeah, that would be kind of the general description of, yeah. of my meditation. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's nothing, um, you don't have to be a monk or, <laughs> you know, um, you know, I don't know. I, f- I feel like sometimes people have this notion of what meditation is or what you're supposed to look like if you are a meditator um, or that you have to live a certain lifestyle to do meditation. I think none of that applies and anybody and everybody should and could do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. If there's anything that I try to tell people about meditation is that it can look like whatever you need it, whatever you want it to look like. Because I think so many people are turned off from it by the idea Mm -hmm. that, oh, I just have to like sit and, you know, clear my mind. Exactly. Is anybody's mind ever really clear? You know, maybe if you remove yourself from all external stimuli and you go sit in Nepal on a mountain, then right. then maybe yeah um you might be a little cold but <laughs> um yeah i think that meditation is such a a broad um a broad practice and i think that is very cool about it yeah because exactly. my practice yeah. often looks the same way or it's, it's uh-huh. similar yeah. to how you described it where some days I do this thing, some days I do something else. Sometimes I just like sit and breathe three times. And right, that is right. something, you know. That's what it is for that mm-hmm. day. Yeah. 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 And I tell I tell patients that too, you know, 
because I often hear like what you just said, it's not for me, or I cannot make, I can't turn my mind blank or turn my mind off. Mm-hmm. And I said, that's okay. That's not the goal. You know, mm-hmm. just showing up, that's the hardest part. Um, and then be gentle with yourself. That's part of it too, is don't, there's no judgment here. You, the only person judging you is you. So you need to let go of that Absolutely. and just show up. Yeah. yeah. Very wise words. Very <laughs> wise words. Which um, is kind of my closing question as we wrap things up. Um, I think those are those are excellent words to leave people with. Um, that, you know, it's only you that you're, <laughs> that yeah, you're doing this for. Yeah. That, is, that is evaluating you. But is there anything else that you you want people to hear? Um, you know, I think one of the questions you had mentioned to me earlier was, um, what has been my overarching takeaway from just Mm -hmm. trying to lead a more holistic life. And I think I was thinking about that. And I think to that, I would say, I think my goal really is to live a more compassionate life, uh, with a more loving presence towards myself and those around me and essentially towards any other human being. Um, I feel like our world gets more and more polarized by the minute with with our current state of politics. And, you know, sometimes I find myself feeding into that as well, you know, the different ideologies and the us versus them. And I think living with more compassion and love is just a great way to stay connected with our fellow humans, even if someone's belief system differs from mine. Um, and not to start drowning in those ideological wars that are that are out there. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Just to do your best to stay in your own boat. There's a lot of people that are going to try to drag you aboard and That's right. um or drag you out of your boat and right. just kind of <laughs> sitting and observing and being mindful of of who you are, you know, and what you want for your life. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Wonderful. Well, this absolutely flew by, Rita. I know. I, when you said we're wrapping up, I thought, what? What I didn't know. we just start? <laughs> I know. I think we could. We, you'll be on again. No worries. <laughs> we'll have plenty of time to talk just, about other things. <laughs> yeah, it was so much fun. Yeah, I also thoroughly enjoyed this. So, thank you so much for being here with me today, virtually, and uh, I really look forward to the next time. Thank you for having me, and ditto. <laughs> well thank you so much for tuning in dear listeners you can find all the links to the resources we mentioned in the show notes and if you like what you heard you can follow us on your podcatcher of choice and leave us a review if you want to connect you can find us on instagram at at psychiatria podcast And if you want to learn more about free-range psychiatry or read our super fun blogs, I write one to go with every episode, you can head to freerangepsych.org or also check the link in the show notes. All right, dear listeners, thank you so much. I wish you all the best and I'll catch you next time.